Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I've had a thought about greed. I've always had the thought that greed is a pretty selfish desire, (laughs) and it's pretty strong, and it pretty much means you want more of something. And when I think about it, it's usually money or power. You want influence or more cash. That seems to be what is at the heart of a lot of greed. But we're going to talk about today with Pastor Brent Kuhlman. He is the senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. Always glad to have him on. Hello, Brent. How are you, brother? Great, Bill. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. So let's talk about greed. Well, with your intro, let's let's push it to the hilt, shall we? We might as well. Uh, we, we, well, let's go right to the heart of it. Scripture is very clear on what greed is. It's idolatry. And that's going to shock a lot of people, but it is. And it's, it is. It's biblical. Paul talks about this in Colossians. Uh, and it's chapter 3, verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And he gives a list of things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and then, dun da da covetousness. Or in other words, greed, which is, listen carefully, folks, Paul calls it idolatry. Wow. Hmm. So just to be clear, greed, according to the scriptures, is an orientation, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not an action. It's an orientation. What I'm trying to say here, when I when I make that point, is that it's the idolatrous heart at work, and it's an idolatrous heart that is unbuckled from the fear, the true fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So, what I'm trying to say is that greed is the fear, love, and trust in all things above God. And that's precisely then why Jesus says in the New Testament, and everybody knows this, but it bears repeating. He says, nobody, you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other, serve one and despise the other. And then he mentions what you mentioned in the intro. You can't serve God and money. Mm -hmm. Brent, go ahead, ahead. brother. When I I see people with a lot of desire for riches— I often see alongside that a trap that brings ruin and destruction in their life for many, many people. Yeah, Paul, that's correct. Paul mentions that in First Timothy. Um, I'll touch about I'll, what I want to do is I want to hit that a little bit later. Okay, maybe. Uh, but let's let's use another Bible passage from First Timothy six, where Paul says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, mm-hmm. and I think that picks up where we are going. So it's not having money that's evil. I know lots of people in America think that having money is evil. You know, if you're a Marxist, <laughs> you, 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 you'll you call people evil because they have stuff. It's not having stuff that's evil. It's the love of it because mm-hmm. that's the idolatry of it. Uh, let me let me put it to you this way. It's money love yeah. <laughs> and God love. And, of course, the craving for wealth is very strong with people, the old Adam, the old sinful nature among us. Um, I would contend that the, the love of money – is just as strong as any craving that people have for a drug or maybe a passionate desire for pleasure. I would even contend that 
the craving for wealth or the love of wealth, that's what keeps people up at night feverishly, figuring yeah. out how to expand their barns, enlarge their portfolios, or expand their earnings well beyond what is needed for daily bread. And as you, you hinted at, it drives people to ruin. Mm-hmm. As a pastor, and I've been at this for a long time, the love of money destroys marriages, it ruins families, and it kills relationships. It eats away at the soul, I would even contend. It, could, it even corrodes faith. Because it gets in the way of true worship, mm, which is well said. Okay. And, and it pierces, the love of money pierces the heart with a lot of pangs and a lot of griefs. And, that, and picking up where you were going with this, Paul then in 1 Timothy 6 says that those, listen carefully, folks, those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Mm-hmm. All you do is look around, and yeah. that's happening all around us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That then takes me then to Luke 12. Okay. You know, last time we talked, we we looked at Luke and how Luke uh, tries to show the innocence of Christianity you know, against charges that it's against the, uh, the empire. You remember that? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back to Luke. In Luke 12, everybody, do you remember that there were two brothers? <laughs> and what were they fighting about? They were fighting over an inheritance, over oh, money. That doesn't happen Remember in real that? life, does it, Brent? <laughs> it happens all the time oh, as a okay. pastor. I'm naive. You know, all right. Oh, my goodness. All the time in, <laughs> in, in farm communities. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, in Luke 12, you, you, you've got brother versus brother over the wealth of their father who's died. Right. What's interesting in Luke 12, that instead of grieving together and those two brothers banding together as brothers, they instead fight with each other, and guess who they go to for help? They go to Jesus to be a judge <laughs> and to settle their, their money dispute. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is Jesus in Luke 12, he's quite wise. He's wise as a fox. He didn't go anywhere near that, but instead he warns them. So i remind you what Jesus said in Luke 12. He says, take heed and beware of all kinds of covetousness, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. <laughs> well, idols, and if, if money or possessions, if that's your idol, that will inevitably c- consume you. So if you worship it, it'll consume you. It'll eat you up. You know, idols, they promise health and life and happiness. But in the end, what do your idols always do to your life? They destroy your life. Mm-hmm. And wealth, wealth is no exception if you make that your idol. Mm-hmm. Americans, think, you know, Bill, I think Americans think that we'd be happier if we had more. Don't you think that's true? That's always the case What of what Americans yeah. believe. Yes. Yeah. And if we had more, we'd be healthier. We'd live better. We'd have more to give. We'd be masters of our own, our own uh, destiny, if you will and not be enslaved to work. You know, we could retire quicker. (laughs) We'd be free if we just had a little more. That's what Americans always say, right? Yes. Well, I'm here to tell you folks that that is a lie. Thank you. That is a lie that robs us all of what? Listen carefully. Contentment. Love it. Peace. It robs us of everything. So there is no more consuming pretend God than what Jesus talked about, and it's mammon or money. So, Pastor Brent Kuhlman, is greed ever satisfied? 
No, because if, if it's an idol, it's never satisfied. It 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 never gives you a Sabbath day's rest. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a 24-7, 365 idol that you must worship all the time. Yeah. And you watch Americans. Americans live this way when they make it their idol. Mm-hmm. They have no Sabbath, they rest. Yeah. Will material possessions protect us? No. Thank no. you. No. <laughs> certainly no. certainly not in e- e- the eternal life, nor in no, this life. No, not at all. No. Not at all. That, that's not to say, again, back to what Paul said, it's the love of money. It's not having things that's evil. It's the love of it, making mm-hmm. it an idol. So, you know, if God if God allows you to have lots of, of money and a lot of things, then what he wants you to do with it is to help people with that. So if you've got a family, help them, you know, or people in your community or church, help them mm-hmm. with what God's giving, passing on. That's why he gives you that stuff. Yeah. Now I want to go back to that in Luke, you know, the rich man in that parable that Jesus talks about mm-hmm. to answer you. Those those two brothers. Yes, that rich man. You remember he had a bumper crop, <laughs> and he had all that he needed for a comfortable life. I mean, he could have stored his surplus grain in the month. He could have. He could have. Well, let me, let me put it. He could have. What I was trying to say is what I was trying to say earlier. He could have stored his surplus grain, and he could have given it into the mouths of those who needed it, namely the poor. But instead, what's he do in the parable? He stays up all night, and what's he plan? He plans to build bigger barns to do what? To store his surplus. Mm-hmm. And the only problem was what? Do you remember, folks? That was the last day of his life. And it was not spent in contentment and thanksgiving, but because he worshipped it and it was his idol, he spent his last day of his life in anxiety and worry, and I would even say stress, and that's why Jesus says in the parable, Luke 12, fool, <laughs> fool, <laughs> this <laughs> night your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So the sons will argue over it and they'll come to blow or they'll sue one another. That's to answer the question. That's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Pastor Brent Kuhlman is my guest. We're talking about greed. If you just climbed in your car and we're... Uh... I'm going back to a couple of verses that have always popped into my mind, Brent, when it comes to greed. And one of them uh, is, of course, Hebrews 13.5. I don't know if you have that in your notes to talk about today. No, I don't, but we can. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's that's just brilliantly put by the writer to the Hebrews. I agree, and that's that that's the main point that I wanted to get to, and I'm glad you quoted that because the opposite of greed is contentment. And you remember, Paul said that he was content in any kind of circumstance. Remember that in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I had a breakfast this morning with my Bible study, and one of the guys in my Bible study will tell this story with vivid recollection of being at his friend's house, and it was a, a Christian family. And the house was very meager. They didn't have much. And he remembered uh, this his friend's dad sitting in a chair. And he said, I am so content in life. <laughs> and that, that comment seemed so odd to him because he thought, he was 19 at the time, how can you be content living in this house with kind of an old car that doesn't run very well? And how could you be content? Yeah. yeah and Paul said, I can be content in all circumstances. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, go ahead, Brent. Sorry. Well, I was, I was, I was just going to say that as Americans, and this is why I wanted to talk about greed today, because as Americans, we're told 
by the media and everything that we see in here, 24-7, 365, is that it is our duty as Americans to spend, to support the economy, to keep buying stuff that you don't need or even want, and get stuff that you have no room to store. We're told this is to be an American. Mm -hmm. It's good for business. It's good for jobs. And if you're a conservative American, you're going, yeah, 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 that's right, you know. But I'm here to tell you that can be very dangerous. But because in the end, Bill, uh, our souls wind up in spiritual bankruptcy, if Mm -hmm. that's how you live. Yeah. Okay. Because Jesus again says, I'm going to repeat what he says, you cannot serve God and money. Right. There is not enough room in our hearts for both of them. (laughs) Right. Now, Brent, you and I will come to this agreement that we— we, neither of us have a problem with money or people that have money. It's the attitude they have towards it. If they love it, if they love it, that's right. Yeah. If they, if they, All right. That, that's the issue. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 10, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth and his income. This also is vanity. That is correct. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And that's why that's in the wisdom literature. Right. Um, and then yet in Proverbs 11, at verse 24, it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Where there's an Correct. amazing principle there. Right. Uh, we, as Americans, generally speaking, we do not know how to give. And so the guy in the parable that Jesus talked about did not know how to give. He, he stored it up, didn't know how to give, and he lost it all. Uh, Americans don't know the joy of giving. And and what's interesting is it seems like the more you give, the more God gives you back mm-hmm. so that you can give even more. Yeah. <laughs> people, but see, let me, let me put it to you this way. As a pastor, I've observed over the years that when people give to the church, you know, in their offering, mm-hmm. this is how they normally do it. They pay all their bills and everything else that needs to be paid. And then they have hardly anything left over. So they don't give anything to church. Mm-hmm. I have to teach them what the Bible teaches. You know, Paul says to, in, in Corinthians to give first to the church at the beginning of the week. And so what people need to do is give a certain amount right off the top before they pay anything. Mm-hmm. And what they'll discover is, is, well, we do have enough to pay our bills and there's even more left over. And oh, and by the way, now God's giving us even more. <laughs> we don't know the joy of this. Yeah. We're, we're, Scrooge is and stingy. There's no joy in being stingy. Mm-hmm. Boy, money, sex, and power, those are the three attitudes that are the hardest to deal with, aren't they? Yes. And so we need to learn, as Christians, we need to die to this sin of the idolatry of greed. Um, so we need to serve God and Him alone. And we need to learn, brothers and sisters, that money needs to serve us. I'm going to repeat that. Money, we need to we need to learn that, that money serves us, that it is our servant to do our bidding. And what's that? As God describes in the Bible, to help our neighbor who's in need, Amen. to feed those who are hungry, to clothe those who are naked, and to supply and provide for our, for our family. Mm-hmm. Okay? All right. We've got it all flipped. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Brent, Rosie is greedy for a break, so I'm going to have to take one, if you don't mind. So we'll be right back with Pastor Brent Kuhlman. He is the senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. We're talking about greed Not an easy subject to talk about, but the Bible talks about it very explicitly, and we'll continue to discuss what Holy Scriptures say about it in just a minute. 
Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. So glad to be back on this beautiful day with Pastor Brent Kuhlman. He is the senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. We're talking about greed today, and the opposite of greed would be contentment. And Rosie was pointing out during the break, Brent, that in Philippians 4, Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Can you talk about learning to be content? Well, that's that's the daily living in and from our baptisms, where we have to learn how to die to the idolatry of greed and then learn to trust Jesus to provide for us Amen. in any every circumstance. That's what that means. Let me let me illustrate it this way. Um, you know, Paul wrote that when he was under arrest. Do you remember that, folks? Yes. And yet, Paul considers himself, even though he's under arrest, totally free. <laughs> he looks like I would argue Saint Paul when he writes those words in Philippians four. He is like Alexander Solzhenitsyn. When he was on his way to the, to the gulags in the Soviet Union, and if you remember the story of Sol- Solzhenitsyn, he was he was he, he he describes a long train ride during which he and his fellow prisoners spoke freely about what they wanted—politics, religion, whatever—without any fear whatsoever, because what could they lose that they hadn't already lost? But their guards. Their guards, those were the ones who were apprehensive and worried and secretive. And Solzhenitsyn writes about this, if you folks aren't familiar with that. He, he writes that the prisoners were the ones who were free, and it's the guards who were imprisoned. See, that's what Paul learned. Paul learned to be free, to be content, no matter what. In other words, Paul's secret was that he could do all things through Jesus Christ, who gives him strength. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I want to say something else, if I may, Bill, because a lot of people might be saying, well, I've, I've got this sin. I've got this greed. I've got this idolatry going on in my life. All right, so here's what you do. You repent of that. You turn from that, and you turn then to Jesus who died for that sin. And so when Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money, so you need to serve God. And I want to put it to you this way. This is the good news of what I wanted to say today. We serve the God who came to us with his life because Jesus, you remember, was rich in the riches of his father's house, but he left all that. And he surrendered all the perks and the privileges of his sonship. And he emptied himself of his divine bank account Mm. and became poor and humble, a humble servant under the law, so that by his poverty, we might become rich in the treasures of heaven. And so Jesus could have had it all, couldn't he? Mm -hmm. The good life, the nice car, the beach house. Jesus could have had all the power, the prestige, and the glamour in the world in exchange for worshiping the devil. Remember, that was in Matthew 4, mm-hmm. but he declined. And so what did he do? Instead, Jesus went the impoverished way of suffering and death on the cross with no place to lay his head, and he did that for all you folks mm. to answer for the sin of greed and that idolatry of greed. Mm-hmm. And what he does then is he restores you. He restores you then to be content. Remember 1 Timothy 6? If we have food and clothing, mm-hmm. let us be content, for there's great gain in godliness with contentment. So God God restores us to pray this way then, like in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And we trust our Heavenly Father 
to give us the bread that is sufficient um, for the day. And, and if he gives us more, then a little something for another day, okay? Mm-hmm. Give a he'll take care of us. But again, I wanted to I wanted to leave people with this thought that yeah, if you've committed this sin, repent of it, use Jesus properly for the forgiveness of sins, and then he restores you to live a different kind of life, to use your money, to use your wealth or the things that he's given you to help people, whoever's in your life. And Brent, when you talk about greed being an idol, it can occur as easily in the heart of a rich person as well as in the heart of a completely poor person. That is correct. Mm -hmm. That is correct. Because everybody's a sinner. Everybody has this old sinful nature. It doesn't matter whether you're wealthy or poor. Everybody is guilty of this. Mm -hmm. I am and you are. Mm -hmm. And that's why why Jesus said that you can't serve God and money Mm -hmm. because he wanted wanted to repent us and turn to him (laughs) for salvation and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, Jesus went to the cross, died for us, rose from the dead, so that we don't despise wealth, but he, he did it to redeem it. He redeems it. And he, he, he died on the cross and rose from the dead to free us then from our enslavement to riches. So that we can, as I tried to say earlier, so we can live as free children of God. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's Paul in Philippians 4. He's free, even though he's in change, chains. Brent, what would you say to the listener that says, uh, I'm not greedy. I would just love to have a month where at the end of the month, I still have a little tiny bit left over. I want to be able to go out for dinner once a year. And right now I can't afford to do that. Well, you're praying that every, you're asking for that every time you pray the Lord's prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And you can be, you can be specific if you'd like with God. Seriously, if you, if you have a concern, and you're a son, you're a son and child of God. Then ask him, ask him, pray about it. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Do it. Sometimes I'll ask people, "What do you want from God?" And then they'll tell me. So then ask him. He can tell you either yes or no. I know. <laughs> and if he says no, then learn to be content with what you have. Mm-hmm. We only have about forty seconds left. But even when Bartimaeus approached Jesus and Mark. And he was obviously a blind beggar. Jesus says, what would you like me to do? <laughs> so he does want us to articulate our needs. That is correct, because he, he knows our needs. See, that's the thing. He do, it's, it's not like Jesus doesn't know our needs. So right. what he wants us to do is say them so that we trust in him, <laughs> so that he's our God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, Brent, as always, I love our fellowship time. Thank you for your teaching and your passion and your desire to uh, share the love of Jesus with all the listeners. What joy. Thanks, Bill. You bet. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. Pastor Brent Kuhlman's been my guest. He is the senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. We'll be right back after a short break. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you're having a great day. I love having a chance to talk to my friend Patrick Albanese. Usually he comes on before now, but he had a gig this afternoon, so he had to delay coming on until now. So he is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. I, in a way, we're kind of preparing for the eventual daylight savings time. <laughs> yeah. we, I, I, do we move the? I, I, I always get confused. There's the one where they say turn the clock back. Yeah, you fall back in the fall. Yeah, yeah. And when we do the turn the clock back thing, I mistakenly I just turned my clocks around, mm-hmm. and I had no idea what time it was. Yeah. So that was a that was a mistake. I don't know when that literally. takes place. Does anybody know when that takes place? Daylight. Must be early November. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll so find it seems out. seems to me if we just move the clocks one minute a day between <laughs> now and then, it won't feel so abrupt. Oh, uh, it would it would be really nice if we did it slowly, like a minute slowly. a day. I think that's a good idea. You should start yeah, a, a you, grassroots movement to try to get that changed. There's a local store I think I was going to go visit yesterday, and, they, and their closing time was seven thirty six. Really. It was just so sp- – yeah, we opened at 8.57, <laughs> and we closed uh-huh. at 7.36, and I thought, is, are they adjusting for daylight savings, or is this just to keep you on your toes? Mm-hmm. It's like 7.30 I, – I just – I can't imagine what that must be like. It's got to be a guy at the door saying 7.35, and you can't come in anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, Patrick, you had a job as an actor today, and congratulations, by the way. It's always nice to work Thank as an actor. You. But having yes. said that, uh, you are always in a position where you have to do a little bit of self-promotion. You have to try to keep your name and face in front of people who could be prospective uh, uh, buyers of your talent, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I was reading Matthew eleven eleven today, and it said, Truly I tell you, among those born of, of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. I thought, here is what's considered the greatest, what the greatest person that's ever been born. Now, I know in context is that he's going to be the forerunner to the Messiah, and that gives him that status. But when you walk around saying, there's there's no one born of a woman greater than me, you would have some serious resume bragging rights if that was how you would promote yourself. Well, and that's why, so if you are John the Baptist and you are, in fact, now the 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 greatest among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, the only person that could actually say that would be Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> and those happen to be Jesus' words. Uh, and, 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 of course, the follow-up to that, I, I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of that typical thing where Jesus says, there's, there's never been anybody greater. This is the greatest uh, uh, person born um, ever, John the Baptist, mm-hmm. yet, and then it's followed up with, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Yeah, I know. Spectacular. Once you're in glory, you're pretty spectacular. Yeah. So if you really want to rise to the top... I say, enter the kingdom of heaven. That will, that will pretty much, but there will be nobody above you. Right. And then Won't that be beautiful? With yeah. that distinction, John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And it certainly seems that there is uh, never been a time that I can remember where people are doing more self-aggrandizing and promoting than right now. And I think part of it has to do with all the uh, platforms and the social media things where everyone is trying to show you that they're the very best of what they do. 
Yeah, uh, you know what's what seemed to start out as this. Hey, here's what's going on. Uh, has turned into there. There does feel to be a, a sense of one-upmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think a day goes by where you don't see the uh, obligatory picture of somebody's bare feet <laughs> on a beach. Yeah. And you go, okay, this could be you. I don't know your feet well, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If if I would take a guess, those would be the kind of feet I would assume you have. I guess. And uh, well, I think it's great. Uh, you know, after a while, you think, well, okay, what can I put up there? Because I don't want people to. I mean, I don't do these fun things. And it seems like some people are on perpetual vacations. Do you ever work? You're all, here we are. We're yeah. in another place. My, and you start to feel a sense of, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe that you're not doing so well. And you have to look at your own life and say, my life is wonderful. It's the best. Why? Yep. And I guess hmm. I guess the point I would love for us to discuss is, is there a fine line between uh, going out and presenting uh, your your goods and services to the world. If you're in sales or your work in the in the uh, the repair maintenance industry, and you want to be the next person to come and install an HVAC system in somebody's house, and you want to say, you know, I I, I want to let the world know that I'm I'm out for business, and I think we do a great job. And at what point are you sort of bragging, and 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 when are you trusting the Lord to make provide you with everything you have? You know, give us this day our daily bread. And when are we trusting that? And when are we moving into a position of sounding braggadocious? That's a big word. That was, uh, woo, you got to be pretty important. Uh, well, you know, well, I won a, a humility award. I'm not going to talk about it because I, I think that's... That's too no, much. No, no. That's too much. I was in the, I came in second in that contest. And I'm, <laughs> I want you to know, watch your back. I'm, <laughs> I'm coming after the title. <laughs> yeah. But people spend so much of their time and energy promoting themselves. And I think he must increase and I must decrease. And that's kind of the, the mindset I've been having in the last many, many years of my life. I want him to be first and foremost on my lips and in my head and in what I say and, and how I I live my life. Yeah. You know, it's funny how people used to make, uh, they used to mock the football player that would say, well, you know, first off, I would like to give all the glory to God. And I just, I love it so much when there's still people willing to do it because I, th- I think now I said, you're, you're willing to face that, you know, people are going to mock you for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you're telling the truth. You're being, tr- you're, you know, you're doing it for the glory of God. I, I believe you. I don't think you're just saying those words. You're taking a risk saying those words because the way people will, will treat something like that. And I love it. Uh, you know, but right, you, you look around at most social media these days and you say, well, you know, in case you don't know how great I am, here's how great I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, we could use maybe a, a little bit more humility. And there's, uh, there's nothing more painful than a, a, being around a person with a, a high sense of self-importance. Yes. Uh, easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you know, it's, it, and there are times you, you know, you want to brag, you know, I'm actually dealing with this issue a lot. Uh, my daughter happens to be quite talented. She, it turns out that um, being able to sing skips generations and she's got it <clears throat> because we know we didn't give it to her. And she's she's good at these things. And there are times where her, 
or confidence level is it goes into my discomfort zone. As you know, I'm not the type that likes to toot my own horn. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like when people say, well, you know, I, I killed it. I crushed it. Uh, I did do that, by the way. I did crush it today, just so you know. <laughs> on your acting job? <laughs> on my acting job. You crushed and that's it, right? Because the director said, you crushed it. And I said, well, <laughs> okay. Then, okay. I wasn't going to claim to have crushed it, but you said I crushed it. Uh, no, it, it's I get uncomfortable with it because I like a little sense of not just humility, but uh, just let your work speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Let people see it. And if they think you crushed it, you know, you, you know, I, I, I get uncomfortable if she comes home and says, well, I was the best one there. I think, well, then you need to get into a bigger room with more people um, because that, that attitude can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, I lived in Los Angeles for forever and I met all the people that would grow up in a small town of prestigious West Des Moines that were told they were the best that anybody had ever seen. And they got up to Los Angeles uh, to compete with tens of thousands of people of equal or better talent. And it didn't sit well. Being humbled like that is, is hard. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. say that in the last uh, weekend, I was going through the book of Mark once again, because I'm going through it a number of times and I realized how humbled I am by how, much I still have to discover about Scripture. I've read Mark a zillion times, and I went through it this weekend again, thinking, I've got more questions. I've got more things I need to discover, things I have to find out. I mean, God's Word is so endless that to have any sense of supreme confidence, and I'd like to have it, but sometimes you come in and you go, I thought I knew exactly how to navigate my way through that passage, and now I feel humbled once again. Yeah, I, I, I know that uh, any reading of the Bible often makes me say to myself, whoo, I am so grateful for grace. I am so grateful for for God's uh, grace because I'm missing. I, I, I missed a passage there. It was in front of me. I missed, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was being asked of me. And I, I know where I fall short most of the time. And often, if I do a deep reading, I realize I'm falling short in a lot of places. It's it, it's I am so grateful for grace because uh, that's the only thing that's going to save me. <laughs> Some days I say I need that grace. Yeah, as, I'll keep trying. As do I. But I do yeah. see uh, more and more people who are constantly trying to uh, build up their their own identity. They're trying to say, uh, "Look at me." You know, we live in a "look at me" world. There isn't mm-hmm. a day where people aren't updating whatever they're doing on social media to let them know exactly, you know, how how well everything is going. And look at me, look at me. And, I, you know, I hate to say it, it is uh, very counterintuitive or counter-scriptural because, like John the Baptist says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it is interesting too. When Jesus was at that moment talking about you know the greatest that's ever been born was John the Baptist. He was sitting in prison at that point, in time. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, not exactly in a high status position. And you know, it, it, Jesus had been asking people, says, well, you know, when you went out to see him, you know, I mean, did you go out to see a man in fine clothing? Did you? What were you? Why were you drawn to him? You went to see him because he was a prophet, and. Uh, you know, you, you were seeking the truth, and 
He was the messenger that came first, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, it was interesting. John, I was looking earlier uh, at Matthew 11, 2. I just find this kind of, I don't know why quirky. John's in prison at this point in time, and he hears about the Messiah, and he sends his disciples, which I thought, he still has disciples. He's in prison, and these guys are saying, what should we do next? You know? <laughs> right. Hey, boss and man, so, what's up? What's up? Yeah. And they said, go ask this Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Yeah. In other words, he says, I'm in this for the long haul. If you're the guy, great. Mm -hmm. If not, I will sit here even longer. Yeah. I will wait. Yeah. That is a great man. That's a great man. Yep. Yeah. All right. Patrick Albany is my guest to get things kind of started, although we've already started, but he's still going to be with us when we come back after a short break. Thank you for listening and tuning in. We've got our, our fall uh, fundraiser coming up next week, which I can't believe it's going to be so much fun. I always look forward to that. And if you uh, are, want to be the first person on your block to get things started, you can go to myfaithradio.com and Donate today. Be right back. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer requests with us anonymously and securely on our website, at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm back with my friend Patrick Albanese to get things started. I always like starting things off on a lighter note because a merry heart is like good medicine, this says in Proverbs. We're talking about how oftentimes people will work nonstop at building up their own image and identity. But I think it's uh, good now to pivot, Patrick, and talk about how God sees us and how God sees his children. So let's just talk about this. First of all, uh, God sees us as uh, his beloved. You know, you're created with a purpose. You're, you're mm -hmm. not a, a, a carbon copy of anybody. You are 100% unique and you were designed with intention and God designed every detail of you. How cool is that? Well, I think it's fantastic, um, you know, because if I were a self-made man, I'd have complaints to the manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have some things you'd want to talk about getting redone and worked on, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, the older you get, you also start to understand the not just the beauty of the design, but you know why we need to get older. Yeah, uh, it, it's, you say that there's something tied in with your your physical self. Uh, in your 20s that uh, you start to understand things in your 30s and 40s and so on that you couldn't possibly grasp in that young body. Mm -hmm. It just, it's it's all part of this brilliant design. I, I, yeah, it's, I, 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 I do think God looks at the Facebook pages, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And okay. says, now, now, now. Yeah. Humility, please. Okay, build this into your identity Jesus leaves heaven and comes to earth to die in your place so that you could be included in his family. So you are not a mistake. You are wanted and chosen. How about that? I love it. And it was a long time for me to really grasp. It's, it's not the size of what was done, which it, it, it's obviously huge. 
I, I didn't quite get why. Why did it have to be done in this fashion? Why did he have to suffer? You know, why did he have to come down, live amongst us, and then leave in such a horrible fashion? And I realized, you know, we would have never paid attention had it not been done. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I think it was even later in uh, Matthew 11 where Jesus is talking about, you know, towns that didn't repent. Mm-hmm. And he saves most of his uh, vitriol, you could say, to the, to the towns that says that they were there. They saw the miracles. They saw the things that I did, and they still didn't believe. And he said the, the, the towns that didn't get to see that, that might have been more sinful, actually, uh, uh, the judgment day will be more bearable for them because you were witnesses to it, and you realize that Jesus had to come here and people had to be witnesses to it. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, obviously, even though people were, some rejected it anyway and said, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not for me. And he said, well, I I feel for you. It doesn't look good for you. Uh, he says, you know, what was he saying? Uh, it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And he realized this is how it had to happen. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have paid attention because we we already have enough people that were there and didn't pay attention. Right. Saw it all. Right, right. All right, how about building this into your identity, Patrick Albanese? You are forgiven. And if you want to be um, counted in God's family, you have to be free of sin. And I got some news for you. The way you become free of sin is by believing, repenting, and coming to faith. And Jesus, who was the only one that, you know, was without sin and died the death that that um, we should have died so we could have the life that he's giving us. Yeah, that's a, it's a lot to kind of take in because, like I was saying just a little bit ago, if it weren't for grace, I realize now uh, I couldn't possibly, you know, I used to play that, you know, I'm a good person. <laughs> a lot of people do. I do some good things here and there, you know. I uh, I think last, uh, like the last, was the last time fall share, I think I gave you my uh, already scratched off lottery tickets, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They think, were of no, no value, but, by the way. Yeah, so they don't, you can't turn them back. Okay. Well, no, I, they, you know, they were already I, scratched, so thank you very little. They were already scratched. Thank I'm pretty sure little. thought I thought they were winners, but uh, no, no, they weren't, and they were worth they nothing. But thank you. They were worth nothing. Well, yeah. I I was trying to beat the rush. I was trying to get <laughs> so ahead of. If you have been accepted, and if you have confessed your sins, you are completely forgiven. So, from God's perspective, you're without sin, and it's not yeah. that you're not going to sin because you are going to. But when He looks at you, He calls you forgiven. Build your identity like that. on that one. Well, I think that is your identity. Yes. You know, what else is left? We, you often see, you know, as, as people sometimes end, uh, um, get toward the end of their lives, they're, you realize how small the world becomes. And suddenly all these things that you had spent all your effort on for years that you thought were important weren't. And then you look around and you say, I'm forgiven. That is all that matters at this point. Yeah, so true. So true. It's, and of course, you know, when you I, talk we talk about being forgiven and forgiveness, you might ask yourself, if I've been forgiven, what does that mean? 
And I think of the word uh, redemption. You know, Christ's sacrifice was the price that he paid for our mm-hmm. sin and for my own evil heart. And then because that has been transformed and made new, um, I've been redeemed. You know what it's like when you take your coupon to the grocery store? They probably just scan them now. But your coupon is redeemed. Yes. They don't do double coupons anymore. Nah, though, so, they don't. Yeah, so there's no double redemption. No, that, it, yeah, it, being redeemed, is, of course, is fantastic if you can fully grasp what it means. You say, hey, wait, uh, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Uh, More yeah, than okay. I, 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 but I wonder why, why the reluctance. And I, I even struggle sometimes in my own memory to say, what was my problem again? Spiritual blindness, Patrick. I think that's what it was. I think you could not see the truth because the scales were still on your eyeballs. Well, and okay, so this almost uh, brings back to what we were talking about with, you know, with social media can be this place where people brag about themselves and it can also be where they lay down the things they believe. And uh, a thing people will, I see often do is they love to shame and they love to say, I hope you're not one of those Christian type people. And, and I do fear the effect that has on people that are starting to come to faith if maybe people that they respect uh, or admire or look up you know put that type of stuff out if it if it has an effect at least enough to have them say you know what I just you know Ben Stiller's not a big fan so I uh, you know I, I, I guess I have to reject this Christianity thing I mean you know is there a social pressure to reject Christianity do you of think there that is. we of course yeah. there is. There's lots of persecution. Expect it. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a ton of harm that these people can do to you. I guess they could say we're not going to give you work. Big deal. We're not going to talk to you, but okay. maybe you don't want to be talking to those people. <laughs> well, you yeah. do You do want to be uh, salt and light in a broken world, but yeah, you want to stand firm for God's word and, and realize that Jesus said you will be persecuted. Yeah. It's 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 sad to see that there are people that are out there almost as the flag bearers for trying to discourage people from even looking, cracking open a Bible and trying to discover the truth. Yeah, it, it's it's sad. And then we have to be the people that say, well, live, the you know, live by biblical principles and be there when they're ready. Yeah, that's a that's a strategy of the enemy to keep you uh, uninformed and not knowing what's in the Bible. That's exactly what he would like. All right, well, yeah. I got one more here to think about, Ooh. and that is, uh, I think of John one twelve. as many as received him, and to those who believed on his name, they became uh, part of the family of God. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that verse just a little bit, but it's that we are adopted. You know, what does it mean to be considered a child of God? It means you've been adopted into his family because you've believed. You, are, um, you have all the rights and all the standing of Jesus when you say yes and when you put your faith in him and you say, I'm going to believe in Jesus. And you are then an adopted child that bears his name. And you are his child and they'll never, ever take that away. Well, I'm a fan of that. I know you are. (laughs) I I figured you would be. Yeah, I, I like that system. Uh, it's a good family to be adopted into. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, the ideal family to be adopted into. It and is. then, you know, the nice thing about that particular family is there's room for more. Yep, exactly. There's always room for more. 
I'm working on it. I know you are. I'm, You're doing a fantastic job. Well, you know, I crushed it today, by the way. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned what, that. That's yeah. what the director said. I'll have to see exactly what you did today to make that. Well, you know, if you happen to turn on one station in Arizona for this like 10 minute window sometime in October, okay. you, you might see me on television. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be much more than that. This will not be an Academy Award winning uh, venture for okay. me. Okay. All right. Patrick, coming up on the next hour, I've got um, Scarlett Hiltabattle going to be on the show. She's written three books, and she is very funny. Um, her books are Afraid of All Things, You're the Worst Person in the World, and He Numbered the Pores on My Face. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I want all those. I agree. I agree. She's oh, absolutely wow. delightful. Um, so stay tuned. Keep listening to the show, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me in a little bit late due to daylight savings time. Yeah, I had to accommodate, and uh, we decided it would still work. So I'm glad you made Uh, it. Thank you. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest and my friend, not to start the show this week, but a little bit later than usual. We are going to take a break, but if you have wondered what it's really like to to be a Christian, and you have questions, that's okay. I like people with questions. And if you want uh, to find out what it means to begin a relationship with Jesus, or you want to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Text the word FAITH to 41224. Again, after a short break, I'll be back in hour two with Scarlett Hiltabeidel. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.